Chad and John, the two-man power trip. That's uh, that's an awesome uh, name for yourselves. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Uh, this is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Scotty Riggs, and you're listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you. Thank you. Hear me. Fear me. What's going on, guys? This is a 7-foot, 330-pound DNA of TNA. That's right. My DNA is outer space. And you're listening to the two-man power trip of professional wrestling. You know, I, I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know 10 times more than I do. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Power Trip of Wrestling, brought to you today and powered by Meowbox. Meowbox is a monthly cat subscription box service full of surprises and delivered to your door every single month. And please be sure to stay tuned a little bit later on in the show for a special promotion just for the listeners of the two-man Power Trip of Wrestling. And with that being said, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, Primetime John Paz. And John, today on the show, we have the current color commentator for TNA Impact Wrestling, the Pope, the Pope, D'Angelo De Niro, a.k.a. Elijah Burke, of course, from WWE fame with that name. But we're going to talk about a lot of Elijah's transition into the world of commentating with TNA Wrestling, a role that he does have experience with, of course, during a few, a couple shots with ECW back in around 2009, 2010. But mostly at the beginning, we're going to talk about the Pope's transitioning from wrestling into commentating for TNA. And John, I'm going to get your thoughts on that right as we start this little shindig here. And what do you think about the Pope's transition? It's pretty natural, but uh, what are your thoughts? Yes, chatty boy, back with another fantastic episode. This time, the Pope, Elijah Burke. He was unbelievable, and yes, we did talk about it at great lengths, about uh, the Pope's transition to the commentating uh, table, if you will, the comment to becoming a commentator, as opposed to uh, him being the, uh, the wrestler. So it was very interesting, you know, some guys, when they make that transition, sometimes it could be awkward, sometimes it could be a perfect fit, and in the terms here with Elijah Burke, a.k.a. the Pope, I think it was just a perfect fit. He has done some commentating before, if, if you uh, remember, years ago with uh, ECW, with Joey Styles when Taz is out, and it just seemed like, man, like this guy, is he's got something here. He's just a great, great commentator. It's just funny like how easy of a transition it was and how easy it is for him to just... Um, you know, be able to have that quote-unquote gift for gab, if if you will. You know, that you like to say, Chad, that little that little something um, where you just he's just a great talker, a great communicator, and just perfect for the announce table. So him as a commentator is great, and it's such an easy transition, which isn't the case for a lot of guys, but for him, it's definitely a super easy transition. He seems great, and him and Josh Matthews seems to have a, a good chemistry together, and they seem to work great together. And I love his little twist on things. I mean, it's not just like he's just a generic, boring announcer. He's got charisma. He's going to say something funny. You know, he's going to say something clever. He's going to put his own spin on it, and it's not just going to be uh, ho-hum, ho-hum. You know, um, for instance, uh, EC3 beats Matt Hardy or something. He, I mean, he's going to make it exciting. He's going to make it interesting, and he's going to make you want to listen to him. And that's, that's what's been great about his transition to commentating from wrestling. And uh, we hope to see him wrestling sometime soon, but I'm not going to complain if he just keeps on commentating. Yeah, for sure. You cannot complain at all because he does bring a different kind of flavor and a different kind of style than just your regular old generic 
2015 color commentator for professional wrestling. But one thing I did find very interesting were his comments about how he was booked in his original run in TNA, which, uh, you know, had some highlights and definitely had some lowlights. But quite frankly, I was uh, pretty pretty impressed with his honesty you know i think he definitely shed some light on a few questions that the average fan and the average viewer of tna wrestling could have had at that point but um did that surprise you at all his uh, his honesty about how he thought he was booked yes of course we do talk about elijah burke his current uh, you know role in tna as a commentator and what he's doing currently as far as this run with TNA, but as everyone knows, this isn't his first go around with TNA. This is not his first run, and he does have some very, very interesting comments about how he was booked in the original TNA run, and maybe what he could have done differently, and you know what what could have been. But also, he does look at it from you know some of the the positive side and all the positive things that went down. He got to work with Ric Flair, who's a childhood hero of his, as you know, as he is of ours, and seems like almost everybody we interview loves Ric Flair. But true childhood hero of him, he gets great story about working with Ric Flair, great story about working with the quote unquote new new NWO Wolfpack with Nash and Sting. Then uh, you know he talks about his didn't really get to wrestle Hogan to say, but, you know, got to work alongside with Hulk Hogan and, you know, a lot of the other moments that he had. So, I mean, there were some points where, man, you wish maybe something could change, but, you know, all in all, he says that, you know, he was pretty strong and, and, you know, had some great, great matches. And if you really, really think about it, the, you know, the highlight maybe of his uh, run in TNA was he had a couple wins over AJ Styles, who right now is probably the best wrestler in the world. I mean, the two-time former IWGP world champion, he obviously many-time TNA champion. And at that point, he was still one of the best wrestlers in the world, obviously. And uh, Pope just loved getting the chance to wrestle AJ. You could hear some great stories about AJ. And that feud in particular was cool because not only was Pope winning, 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 he was getting that, you know, pushing up the card, pushing up the card, he's getting higher on the card. Boom, you know, he finally gets AJ for the title match. Uh, he does get injured in the match, which he, he will tell that story. But it was still a great, great match and still one of his favorite matches that he ever had. Also, you know, him working with Samoa Joe and the great matches they had and the great feuds he has. And he's really, you know, happy with the guys that he got to work with because Joe and AJ, two of the best guys, not only then and not only now, but two of the best wrestlers you're ever going to find. So great to be able to work with those guys and great to hear stories about that. He also mentions, of course, Suicide, that he likes, you know, he puts his own spin on it, which I always thought was funny. He calls him Suicide. Uh, Desmond Wolf, a.k.a. Nigel McGuinness, cannot forget about his great matches there. And, of course, the Monster Abyss, they had a little bit of, of feud. So, I mean, he did have a good run. He wrestled Kurt Angle as well and a couple other guys. So, he can't really complain about his run with TNA. Maybe the injuries kind of slowed it down, or maybe you know he could have been a world champ, or or maybe gone a little further up the card. But he, all in all, he had a pretty great run in his original run in TNA. Yeah, he definitely shed some light onto some of the booking from that original TNA run. But how could we forget? the time Elijah Burke spent as Elijah Burke in the WWE slash ECW. He was on SmackDown, then he was a part of the New Breed. You know, in his run with partners like Sylvester, Turk High, and then, you know, like I mentioned, the New Breed with our man Kevin Thorne and Matt Stryker and Marcus Corvan, a.k.a. Monty Brown. You know, he had a very good run with WWE. He was branded as the future of ECW by the chairman on television, which he tells an Awesome, awesome, awesome. And I hate to use that word awesome a thousand times, but he tells a phenomenal story about Vince McMahon just shocking him by coming out and declaring him as the future of ECW. But then it's going to be about the Spirit Squad. And John, I actually kind of give you a lot of credit for going out on a limb and asking the question about the Spirit Squad because it, it is something that I think the wrestling fan base has always been curious about. It's one of those, you know, possible urban legends, but Elijah really does shed some light on that story. And I got to give you all the credit in the world for uh, actually, you know, having the grapes to, uh, to ask it because, you know, you never know what you're going to get sometimes. And that was a, a hell of a question by you, but uh, you know, what's your take on Sylvester's Turkai and Elijah Burke? I know you love Turkai and that was one question you were looking forward to, uh, to getting out there and also just his overall run as the future of ECW and, you know, overall his time with WWE. Yeah. You know, what's so funny and I don't know what it is, but uh, Chad, obviously, you know, this, I, I, wanted to really talk about Sylvester Turkai. I always was a fan of his. I, I just like that, you know, uh, the, I liked him when he was a predator. I like his work in Japan. At one point um, in Japan, Turkai 
was considered one of the best guy gins over there. So I've always had a little bit of a you know an eye on him where I really was interested in him. And obviously his MMA background, his K1 background. He's a legit shoot fighter. He's a legit tough guy, and I was always uh, interested in the you know the knockout tap out connection, if you will, between Elijah Burke and Sylvester Turkai. So I was very interested in asking him about that. His run with him on SmackDown, his run with him on ECW, which you get a lot of great stories and a lot of good stuff, and a little bit of a mix of the Undertaker in there as well, because he was also a Turkai fan like myself. So obviously Undertaker likes those shoot fighters and likes those tough guys, you know. He, so. You know, that, that was cool, but, you know, we also talked to uh, Burke not only about Turkai and ECW and SmackDown, but we talked about his amateur boxing career, which was uh, pretty cool and obviously is a uh, controversial topic as far as his record. But we do get into that, and he does reveal his real record and uh, how many losses he has, which I'll give you a hint, it's not many. So, you know, that's pretty cool. And then you get some other stories about him not, you know, not pulling punches because of uh, his boxing background. Um, so it was really cool that uh, Elijah Burke got to share, you know, a lot, a lot of cool stories with us. You know, he's a very positive guy, very great talker. But the one thing that I really wanted to put over was he his Spirit Squad story. Now going in, we weren't sure of how you know how much detail we were going to get out of this story because, as the rumor goes, and you know he tells you if it's true or not that he was supposed to be in the Spirit Squad. And boy, does he tell a great story about that. Um, he talks about you know Dolph Ziggler, talks about a couple of the other guys in the Spirit Squad, and. and you know, should he have been in it? Does it make sense? You know, uh, was he supposed to be in it? So on and so forth. And boy, does he do a great Vince McMahon impression. And he just goes into great, great detail about the Spirit Squad story. And if, in fact, it was true or not. So really, really uh, pay attention to that one. That is one story that I, you know, really, really sticks out to me as one that you will very, very much like. And you'll be very interested in for sure. For sure, indeed. It's a fun, fun, fun chat with Elijah Burke, a.k.a. The Pope. And you can check him out, of course, on TNA Impact Wrestling every single week. And every single week you can check out with us, and that is Meowbox.com. And Meowbox is offering to the listeners of the two-man power trip of wrestling 10% off your first monthly box subscription. That's right, 10% off your first monthly box subscription just by entering the code POWERTRIP10. Uh, Power Trip 10 in all capital letters into that checkout box on meowbox.com. 10% off is coming your way. And primetime pause, tell them about Meowbox a little bit more and throw it over to a little two man power trip of wrestling business and the man himself, Elijah Burke. Primetime pause, the floor is yours. Oh, yeah, chatty boy, Meowbox. That's right, meowbox.com. Now, with Meowbox, they have a service called One Box Can. Where? A can of food will be donated to the Shelter Cat on your behalf. So please, if you're going to do Meow Box and you're going to buy Meow Box, you also get to help out a Shelter Cat. So they will donate food on your behalf for every Meow Box purchase. Also, for all edible items, they are in the USA or Canada. They are made, so you know where your items are coming from. Also, if you do not want edible items, just like my picky cat Lucy, she has a very, very specific diet where she cannot have edible items. She gets her edible items exchanged with toys and surprises, which she absolutely loves. So, anybody out there that's not interested in the edible items, Meowbox will trade them out for toys and surprises, which Lucy absolutely loves. Again, that's Meowbox.com, promo code POWERTRIP10 for 10% off your first subscription. Again, one more time, Meowbox.com, promo code POWERTRIP10. Now, for some TMPT business, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at WrestlingPal and at Two Man Power Trip. Also, check out the website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. Also, subscribe to us on YouTube. We are putting up clips forever and a day of all the great new episodes that we have. So, please, subscribe to us on YouTube. You will not be sorry. And while you're at it, please, subscribe to us on iTunes. We'd love to hear your feedback, so please leave us a review. And while you're there, check out the feed with prior great episodes with the late Great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, good old J.R. Jim Ross, Harley Race, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Stan Hansen, Tully Blanchard, Matt Morgan, and so, so, so many more. You will not be sorry. There's over 100 episodes on there, and they're all just fantastic. 
Now also, please type into the Google machine as the i95 Sports Network. We are also on there live and in color. So don't forget to Google that up. It is the i95 Sports Network and you love what you see on there. And you can check us out on there as well. And anybody interested in booking Kevin Thorne, a.k.a. Mordecai, a.k.a. Kevin Fertig, please email bookings at tmptofwrestling.com. That is bookings at tmptofwrestling.com. Com. You will not be sorry about that. Now, without any further ado, we send it to a great episode. A guy that was just a fantastic interview. A guy full of charisma, full of life, telling us some great, great stories. You're going to hear, like I mentioned, about a great story about the Spirit Squad. Also going to hear some great stuff about uh, ECW, SmackDown, Vince McMahon, and so many more. He's a former OVW World Champion. He is the Pope himself, Elijah Burke. Please enjoy. I'm ready to Yeah. I want my close up, baby. Yeah. Uh huh. Yo, yo, here we go. I've been sitting here waiting for so long. Watching your weak moves, you're not that strong. Now I'm ready to prove the world wrong. Give me the stage and let's go. Well, joining us on the line tonight is a man who we've been dying to talk to. We've actually been clamoring for him to come on the show because we're big fans and we're happy he's back in TNA Impact Wrestling. And that is the Pope, Elijah Burke. Thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling. Uh, no problem. It's a pleasure to be here, Daddy. It's about time we have uh, come together, if you will, for this momentous occasion, if I can call it that. Oh, it's momentous indeed, and we, uh, like I said, we're, just, we're, we're huge supporters and huge fans of yours. We were uh, you know, sitting on the edge of our seats, and we heard you were coming back to Impact Wrestling, but in quite a different role, and quite fittingly, uh, an announcing role where, you know, some might say you're a natural, some might say uh, it's a perfect spot for you, but how's the transition been to announcing versus uh, being a full-time active wrestler with that Impact crew? Ah, oh, man, that's a very uh, good question right there. I think a lot of people know that when you are uh, a wrestler, you've been doing it for 12 years as an active performer, and then all of a sudden things kind of take a shift, if you will. Uh, uh, the stars align, and and um, someone recognized that your gift can be used in a different aspect, and um, thus be it that Polk is now part of the uh, two-man power team, if you will, with myself and Josh Matthews. It's been, uh, it's been interesting. It's been fun. Uh, it's a different type of, uh, of get-over, if you will. Uh, uh, getting over, of course, getting over with the audience. Uh, my job right now is, is to get over a lot of the guys that I've wrestled against. I wrestled the side. And um, the transition has been, believe it or not, you know, it's been quite easy. It hasn't been as hard of a transition as many people will probably uh, think it would be uh, because, as you may mention, the gift of gab is something that I've always had. So, that if folks can talk at the drop of a dime, you put a mic before him, and I'm good to go. <laughs> oh, yeah, as we can see already, and it hasn't even been five minutes. So, that's even uh, <laughs> that's, that's even cooler. But, you know, like I said, it's a, a great spot for you. It's very fitting. And one thing that's awesome is that when you're great in the ring as you are, you know, it's easy to be uh, a good analyst in terms of what you want to look at in the ring. But is, you know, giving some kind of analytical uh, take on the moves, on the stories, is that, uh, is that a little bit more difficult for, you know, a first-time, full-time commentary gig? Because I know you've done some announcing prior, but not on, you know, this week-in, week-out level. Right. Well, you know what? Let me let me go this route with you. Um, I, uh, WrestleMania 23, uh, Fort Phil, uh, both is at the ESPN boxing presentation, and I'm calling the fight alongside uh, uh, Thomas. No, it wasn't Thomas. I don't want to uh, call the wrong name, but I'm calling the fight alongside of of a legend in, 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 in the welterweight, if you will. And um, I feel bad because I I know his name at, at, just at the top of my head, and I can't call it because uh, I was a big fan, and I still am. I have a signed boxing glove. 
uh, in Pope's Trophy Room. But I got to tell you, man, once that was over with, I sat down, uh, young Elijah Burke sat down, sat next to him. We called the fight together. And after that fight was done, he looked at me and he said, man, how long have you been doing this? So when it comes from an analytic standpoint, if you will, that's not hard at all. What is hard at times is the time provided to do so. That can be sometimes rough because there's so much that uh, is going on. Obviously, Impact is a fast-paced show. Uh, and oftentimes, my partner, Josh, Matthew, J- Josh Matthews, who has he's – a, he's a jack of, of a lot of trades, which you don't get a lot of credit for. He has so much that he has to cover, so much that he has to get done. So you may notice throughout the contest when Josh is talking about this or that, it's, it's Pope's job. I've made it my job to bring the action and the focal point back to the two or four or two knockouts that are in the middle of that ring because that's what wrestling fans want. That's what wrestling fans are watching. And so, therefore, I try to I try to do the boys and the girls credit, if you will, while they're inside that six-sided ring. Oh, yeah, totally. And that's, uh, that's the announcer's job, too, is to make everybody enhanced on the show, not just yourself and what your pres- right. you know, presentation is about, but it's also what's going on in the ring. And with TNA – you know, it's like they come out of the gate with some of the most creative and out-of-the-box scenarios. And, of course, you know, we talk about the title series and some of the innovative things going on. But from an announcing point of view rather than a wrestling point of view, is it easy to call the action when there's such innovative things and you just get to roll with it just as much as the viewer is? Um, well, I, I... Say that one more time, because I don't think I understand the fullness of that question. Say it again. Like basically, like with innovative matches and stuff that hasn't been seen before, right? If you're if you're an announcer right. rather than a wrestler, you're seeing it just like the viewer seeing it. So right. instead of being in the ring and you're looking at it through that monitor, like we're looking at it through our televisions, right. is it easier, you know, to uh, call it. something more, you know, on the fly like that than uh, you know being in the ring and you know possibly knowing what's coming next? Actually, believe it or not, it is uh, because that's the way that's the way Pope prefers it. I prefer not to know anything. So therefore, if I'm seeing it and looking at it from a fan's perspective, then I can respond and react and say what you are thinking as the casual or viewer of the product. So that's what I love to do as a commentator for Impact Wrestling. I love to give the the Focal uh, analysis, if you will, that the viewer at home is watching as well. Uh, I I, want to translate, uh, as as my daddy would say, here, let me break this down in English so that even, you know, let me break this down so that a child can understand it. That's what Pope wants to do. So, yeah, I I love it that way, and I think it's, for me, it's, it's always easier. It comes across natural. If you know, then oftentimes you can kind of tell when something is forced or, uh, you know, when, when, when a reaction is not a legit or real reaction. Everything that you get from folks during a time, uh, it's not planned, it's, it's, it's real. Uh, and I'm, I'm watching it as if I'm sitting at home on my couch with a good friend of mine, and, and we're back in, in 1996 watching WCW Nitro and Monday Night Raw. Definitely, definitely. Well said. Now, with you know, obviously, you being the, one of the announcers along with Josh Matthews in Impact Wrestling and for TNA, you also took part in Bound for Glory. You were in the, uh, you know, the Bound for Gold, the Gauntlet match. Do you plan on uh, stepping more specs, you know, more so back in the ring? Or do you like the announcement gig? I think, um, I think in due time that uh, Pope will have that opportunity. It's not something right now, and I got to tell you, man, I think that for a second that I don't miss it because I do. I don't think for a second that Pope ain't ready to get in the ring because I am. But at the same time, I've recognized uh, my job, my role. I know what it is, and uh, that is to uh, be an asset from a commentator standpoint. So I'm not focused on anything else except bettering my game right now at the table. I'm not worried about anything else except becoming a better and as my partner would say, the most entertaining color commentator in the business today, that's what Pope wants to be, that's what Pope wants to do, that's what I'm setting out to accomplish. Now, there will be times in the future 
uh, you can take folks' word for this, there'll be time in the future when folks will, you know, do a casual appearance inside the ring. Um, I'm not retired, okay? Let's get that out out there right now. Folks is not retired by a long shot. Got years left on his belt. But, again, mm-hmm. I, just re- I just recognize my role right now, and I have no problem committing to it and fulfilling it uh, to the best of my ability. Now, it's good to hear you that you're not retired because I'm thinking back of, you know, the Pope in TNA specifically and, you know, some of your, your run there from a couple of years ago, and you had a great feud with somebody who, you know, popped up on the radar uh, in some shocking places, and that's Samoa Joe. You know, he's popping up uh, in NXT. But I remember you guys had a great feud back then. What were your thoughts, uh, you know, of, of when you were feuding with Samoa Joe? Uh, Pope's feud with Samoa Joe, man, was... Um, did not receive nor get the type of attention that it should have. And I'm talking about from an in-house standpoint, not from a viewer standpoint. Uh, that feud with Samoa Joe, and I, I was openly, uh, uh, to a certain extent, uh, letting my displeasure be known about it. Because you have to remember during that time, there was a uh, pope that just came off of a feud with Abyss. Uh, uh, Pope just came off of a feud fighting uh, what was what was it, what, what was what was the group name with Hogan and Bischoff and all of that? Oh, Immortal. The uh, Immortal, thank you, Immortal. So Pope just came off of you know seeing it just left and Kevin Nash walked out. So Pope was the last guy standing fighting this big fight. I feel with a bit. I get put in the casket, and the next thing you know, all of a sudden, you know, Pope was, you know, feuding with Samoa Joe for no reason at all. However, myself and Samoa Joe, we took that. We made the best of it. We had fun with it. And um, that took us to our uh, lockdown matchup with Samoa Joe uh, in St. Louis. So let me, and, and let me tell you, that match was – I had fun with Samoa Joe. It was always great working with Samoa Joe. He definitely – Brought out the best in Pope when we had the time. We did a lot of innovative things, a lot of different things, tried some things. I had nothing but a blast uh, working some more, Joe, and, and I got to go on record and say how happy I am for some more, Joe, uh, for him to be able to experience what he's experiencing right now. And I wish him nothing but the best of luck uh, for his and his family's sake. Nothing but the best. Yeah, I definitely have some fond memories of you and Joe having some great matches. And then another guy who's kind of on top of the world on a you know, on a global level, he's been dominating over there in New Japan, was AJ Styles. I, yeah, I remember you beat him like three weeks in a row. <laughs> you, you're talking about you're talking about two of folks' favorite views, and and I and, and I will not leave out society if you will, that put me on the map in TNA, and I definitely wouldn't leave out there as the wolf. Uh, everybody knows Nigel McGinnis, but when we're talking about AJ Styles, there absolutely was none better uh, when, when it came to getting in the ring at the time. Uh, I mean, the guy was just, what his name says, phenomenal. Uh, I remember one time they took myself and, and AJ and they uh, put us on the front of the car, if you will, <laughs> And I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, that was the wrong thing for them to do. It was the absolute wrong thing. And uh, me and AJ, we never had a bad match. We never had a bad match. And that match that I had with AJ Styles at the 2010 lockdown for the TNA title, uh, that was that was something special uh, for Pope. Actually, that was St. Louis, and the one with more Joe, Joe, I believe, was Cincinnati. Uh, but that's one of my, if not my favorite match, because. It was during that time that Pope separated his shoulder, but the first two minutes into the match, first two minutes into the match, Pope separates his shoulder, you know, from the from the bone, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, we have I don't know 15 minutes left, and and I can remember them saying stop the match, and I'm saying no no no, you know, and I was able to go through that match. I'm I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of that match with uh, AJ Styles. I'm very proud of my feud with AJ Styles, having the opportunity to be in the ring with my 
someone I look up to, one of the guys that I idolized as a kid, you know, only behind the American Dream, that's the Rose, and that was Ric Flair. So to have the opportunity to wrestle Ric Flair in WWE and then have the opportunity to work with him again and get physical and, and, and more, more importantly, uh, a rap with him on the microphone, if you will, that was something, you know, that, that definitely ranks right up top when it comes to, you know, my greatest moments. Definitely some definitely cool stuff, and it's always great to, uh, you know, wrestle a, a hero, if you will, of yours. But another guy who's somewhat of a hero that I remember you had uh, some good matches with, it was almost on his uh, somewhat of a comeback or one of his many comebacks, but that was the American hero himself. That was Kurt Angle. Oh, man. I, actually, I I would love to get in the ring with Kurt Angle again. Uh, and, and I tell people all the time, um, back to your question when you first opened this interview, uh, when will folks get back in the ring? Number one, folks not getting back in the ring only for gold, okay? So <laughs> just know, know that. Open ourselves back in the TNA ring, Impact Wrestling, unless it's for gold, or or the moment is, is a memorable moment. Um, and and I, I love what happened at Battle for Glory because I just wanted to give the – I just want to give the fans something to talk about, you know, some memories. You know, you, you leave that show, you have some things to talk about. Uh, but I didn't get a chance to wrestle Kurt um, uh, as what I feel to the best of my ability due to the fact that I was brought back early during that time from my shoulder injury. Uh, and this was without warning. This was, I mean, you know, just truth be told, I was just brought back, hey, you know, we want to book against Kurt, and that was that. Uh, you can go back and, and, and look. You can see I wasn't in the best shape. I hadn't put my weight back on. I hadn't had a chance. I hadn't even worked out. So um, I, I believe the Cyborg, uh, we, had a, we had a good match. I don't think we had a great match or the type of match that we could possibly have when Pope was at the top of his game. But we definitely had a good match, and um, um, I, I would love to get in the ring and, um, you know, take Kurt to the limit. That would be great. Now, if I could just rewind back a little bit, because, you know, we were talking a little bit, you were saying about boxing, and I was very curious because I was looking this up, and I remember uh, WB used to say this about you. Is the is the boxing record true, or is that, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, work a little bit? Because, you know, you're supposedly 103 and 1. <laughs> okay, well, let's, let's, let's take this route with that. Pope has only lost one fight that is absolutely positively without any uh any inflation whatsoever the truth okay uh, before pope stopped with his boxing and and when we say boxing we're talking about the boxing and the tough man fighting combined okay that's not just pure amateur boxing that's amateur boxing and tough man boxing combined I was shooting for 100 before my final tough man bout. I was shooting for 100. So I could have 100 wins and one, okay? I only got – I got up to 99, and um, you can do the math from there. Nice. Do you ever think of, you know, like maybe stepping in the, the boxing ring a little bit and maybe um, oh, coming back? Listen, Pope, Pope isn't one to – use such words of uh, a profanity, if you will, but if I could put a twist on it and give a shout-out to the to the iconic wrestler, rest in peace and wrestler soul Whitney Houston, I'll tell you straight off the back, hell to the now, okay? <laughs> <laughs> hell to the now. <laughs> nah, man. Um, that's, it's, 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 a, it's a younger man's game. Um, it's a younger man's game, and um. Uh, and and the only reason that Pope stepped out into the boxing ring, you know, while he was still an officer, uh, was to fulfill the need, if you will. I was fulfilling the need to entertain. Man, if I could have went out there, and 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 all of my galore and 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 good looks, if you will, that I thought I had, and just looked good. Styling and profiling, to borrow a phrase from the Nature Boy. If I could have just done that, I am good to go. I, I, I don't want to go out there and get beat up. I don't want to go have my face knocked in and and whatnot. 
so um and, and and truth be told, I didn't like I didn't like doing that to certain guys that was facing the ring with me when I didn't have the uh opportunity to give them um a fair warning, should I say. So I don't know. I I just you know, there's some guys that I knocked completely out and they went straight into the one eight seven pose. And the uh, paramedics had to run right in, check on them, and you know I stopped. You know I celebrated, but then uh, then of course I stopped and and gave them their you know checked on them because you know I'm not I'm not a guy that likes to brutalize people just for the sake of brutalizing. I got you on that. Now you know as far as the boxing career, obviously you know uh, the main focus is obviously uh, the wrestling career, and you started out in OBW, but. Something that really sticks out because we're talking about, you know, knockouts and boxing is you're, you know, putting together with the predator, if you will, Sylvester Turkai. You know, you guys were the knockout, tap out, you know, connection there. You guys have that going. What was it like teaming with him? And, you know, did you like that pairing? Yeah, I actually, um, and you let me know if you're getting too much uh, feedback because I'm going to get feedback on my end um, and my service. It isn't great wherever I'm at right now, but uh, what I will say is Sylvester Turkai uh, was a lovely, gentle giant, and um, the parent with him was a good parent. Um, it, it, it was it was you know uh, two contrasting styles that came together to to form something that. Uh, to fulfill a vision that Vince had, and um, it was for a purpose. And man, when I tell you the purpose that that myself and Turkow was brought up for, I have to tell you, it was it was something great. All I had to do was just ride the big man, and we were going we were going straight to the Undertaker, and that was his purpose. You know, Undertaker's a big MMA guy. Sylvester Turkow was a legit MMA guy, uh, and they they Undertaker always needed a big man. Uh, um, to wrestle and especially to clash with uh, for WrestleMania and a few with. So, so per my understanding, for the conversations, that was our our plan. That's where we were heading. We were heading straight for Undertaker. And being that they brought me up in that role to be his mouthpiece, Pope had well not Pope at the time, but you know you guys had no problem whatsoever uh, uh, being in that role. And uh, I, 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 um, I know Turk. Uh, after his WWE days, he went back and do a couple of movies, did a couple of fights in Thailand. Um, I don't know. Uh, I haven't talked to him recently, but from the last I talked to him, he's doing good. And if he gets a chance to hear, read the transcripts or whatnot, uh, I have nothing but love for the big guy. Yeah, and being the mouthpiece really did help with the announcing transition, I would think, because you know you're natural when it comes to uh, being on the mic, but. You know, the move from SmackDown to ECW and kind of being, you know, one of the main focuses of the relaunch, the new breed of ECW. What was your perspective on getting into the relaunch of ECW at that point? And uh, you being really one of the uh, the focused stars with the, uh, you know, the inception of the new concept. Never, much like with a lot of things in, in Pope's career when it comes to wrestling, had no idea, was never told, didn't find out to that night. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the first match that I had, had no idea, didn't know, didn't find out till that night. Uh, you know, when I got in the ring and faced Ray Mysterio, a guy who I grew up watching, had no idea, didn't know, didn't find out till that night. So uh, what happened was during that time, uh, back to Turk, uh, I call him Turk, but back to Turk High, he he was a legit MMA guy, and much like with myself, when I first transitioned from boxing to wrestling, I had I had trouble with the pulling of the punches. Uh, you know, uh, wanted to, you know, I was taught to throw a punch. I was taught to follow through. Oftentimes, when you see me put a guy in the corner, if you go back and watch some of the older tapes, you'll see when I throw my right and my left, I turn my body with them. Uh, I follow through with them uh, because that's the way I train. Uh, so I had to learn how to incorporate that boxing training into wrestling and allow it to be safer for um, my cohorts who I was in the ring with. Uh, but uh, Turkai, on the other hand, uh, he, he was a legit beast, man. So they're telling him to go out there and be a beast and be a monster. And 
look strong and be that MMA killer. And by God, that's what Turkow was doing. <laughs> and so I remember when he, I remember when he, he uh, got in the ring with Matt Hardy on SmackDown, and, and by the time Matt Hardy got back, uh, I'm sure you don't mind me sharing, but by the time Matt Hardy got back to the curtain, I don't think a lot of people wanted to get in the ring with Turkow. So. Uh, you know, and, 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 you know, here I am standing, the, the, the young guy, the new guy, I'm standing back there waiting on that Hardy to tell him how much I appreciate, uh, you know, him, you know, uh, working with me and Sir Kai and putting us over. Uh, so after that, the next week, I believe, Sir Kai was uh, scheduled to go against Ray Mysterio. I don't know. This is just my assumption. Some things happened. Some people spoke. And there I was. Hey, you're wrestling Ray Mysterio tonight. And that's how I ended up wrestling Ray Mysterio. That's how I ended up wrestling Tatanka the next night, the next week. And that's how I ended up wrestling Vito the next week after. And and it was at that time that they looked and they said, um, hold on one second, please. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, I'm sorry. So it was during that night um, that I think they started seeing that, hey, this kid got something. This kid, um, you know, he's, you know, as they would say, he's charismatic. He can get some – he can back it up in the ring. And so I think they just started, you know, they, they went with me. And so we transitioned from SmackDown. Like they were night at ECW. I had no idea that Vince was going to come out there and say – you're the new face of the stream. Understand me when I tell you that there's no work here. There, there, I mean, everything I've told you has been true, so I don't have to tell you this is the God honest truth. I did not know Vince was coming out there to name me that and, and, and to endorse me until it happened. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, because you're the, you know, the future of ECW you know, the new face of Extreme, it's a hell of a branding, you know, for a brand new concept, for a new network that WWE never really uh, had any kind of programming on. But, you know, what, how do you prepare for that in ring, you know, when Vince is, uh, is coming out there and he starts branding that? You know, how do you compose yourself in ring with the chairman right there giving you his uh, ringing endorsement? Well, <laughs> how do you prepare? How do you handle it? Uh you have fun with it. You take advantage of that opportunity. How many times does an individual have a chance, especially a young guy like me, uh, at the time, straight, you know, not even, I don't know how long it's been since I've been up there, but I know I was still relatively fresh, uh, to have the chance to be in the ring with the man, you know, with with, with the guy, if you will, that put and orchestrated uh, this this world, this universe that we call it, that they call it today. Um, so when you think about that, you just have fun with it. That's all you can do. Uh, you know, do it now. Uh, ask for forgiveness later. So if anybody's listening or reading, you can always go back and pull up that very clip, and you'll see me grab Vince and tell him, come on, let's, let's use this as a photo opportunity. You know, I mean, that stuff wasn't planned. That was just, I just did it. I just did it. So I took my arm and I threw it around Vince and, and, and say smile for the camera, you know, because that's what he always <laughs> tell, told me. Every, you know, they told me that every time when I go, I show those curly white. <laughs> God damn it. So every single time that I had the opportunity to uh, do it with Vince and put him on the spot, so I did it. And he loved it. Yeah, that's great. That is a great segment. Definitely uh, implore everybody to check that out. Now, let's talk about one of the chairman's concepts, and that's WrestleMania. And, of course, the big new breed versus ECW Originals. It was yourself, Monty Brown, a.k.a. Marcus Corvon, Matt Stryker, and Kevin Thorne taking on the ECW Originals, uh, walking out onto WrestleMania on that stage. Uh, in a match that, I, you know, from what I understand, got cut for time, uh, you guys ended up having a pretty decent run, though, uh, the next month. But how was that, looking back in, with WrestleMania, Ford Field, Donald Trump, the billionaires? It's a huge event in, in retrospect, but uh, what's your take on WrestleMania 23? To, to my understanding, to my understanding, and I don't know what Levi Stadium had, but per my understanding, that was the 
second largest WrestleMania up until that point. Uh, for Fort Field, we had 87,000 or was it 78,000? Uh, don't quote me on that. You can do your own research. But I believe it was either 78, no, 78 or 87. I can't remember what it was. But I think it was 87 and Pontiac was 93. Uh, and and I could be wrong, but again, the point what I'm saying is that was the second largest, per my understanding, to that date. So to be a part of that, to be a part of that, uh, and to be as uh, green, if you will, as I was, as in, in to the business, was an absolute honor, a thrill, a privilege. It was everything that anybody who ever have aspirations or dreams stepping inside the ring, and then to appear on the biggest show of them all, it was everything that you would imagine it would be. And if you go back and you look, even when I'm coming down the ramp, even when I'm on the ring apron, you'll see that one of my partners was getting beat up, and I'm sitting there looking all around that big old arena, looking at all these people just taking in the moment, realizing that you may not ever get that opportunity again. But everybody that's ever laced up their boots, that's the opportunity that they want to have. As far as the match goes, yes, we got our time cut. Uh, you know, it is what it is. It's unfair. But thankfully, we, we still we made it to the show. We made it to the card. And then you said a month later we had a great run. No, sir, Dad. It was that Tuesday following that WrestleMania. I believe it was in Detroit, Michigan, but I'm not Rick Flair, so I can't call out the date, specific time and <laughs> arena. Like those guys can. You sit here and you talk to Rick Flair right now, and he'll tell you that every date that he wrestled Rick and Steamboat, exactly where it was, who the referee was. I don't know how a guy that drinks that much can do it, but hell, maybe both should start drinking. I don't know. <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> but uh, I've been hitting the head a couple of times myself, so I'm not too familiar uh, uh, with uh, frequenting dates and the exact buildings, but I believe we went to Detroit. Excuse me, we were in, we were in uh, Rob Van Dam's um, hometown. Is that, uh, what, Dearborn, Michigan, some part of Michigan? Roanoke, Roanoke, something Michigan, okay? But we were still in Michigan, and uh, we had that four-on-four rematch, but it was extreme rules. Uh, and, and, and that was the match that we could have had, probably should have had at WrestleMania. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, time is given. Time is taken. You just do what you got to do to make the best out of the situation. And every one of us that were – uh, involved in that, from the Corbin to Thorn to Striker and to all of these W originals, we understood that. So we we gladly took our time and our, our our spot on WrestleMania, but knowing that we had 20 plus minutes main event time for ECW on Tuesday night on the Sci-Fi Channel, we went out there and we lit that place on fire. That was the night that I put Sabu through the table with the Elijah Express. And um, that is still something people ask me about to this day. So I'm glad that we were able, uh, all of us, to to give a memorable performance and, and give fans something to talk about. Oh yeah, totally a great pairing uh, with the four of you. The new breed was definitely uh, it was a good little group. You know, I don't know if it, you you know meant to be together that long, but it was a good group. Uh, did you like being paired with those three other guys for that little run? I, I it was unique. Uh, it was, and obviously my answer is yes, uh, but it was unique. It was uh, different. Uh, you know, we had the we had the vampire, we we had the school teacher. You know, we had the we had the uh, football player and the monster, the beast, Marcus Corbin, and then we had the, the boxer and the as Joey Styles will often often say, the silver tongue. Pugilist, the guy in white of ECW, he had Elijah Burke. So there was, I I, I looked at us like uh, X Men, and, and that's I thought to look at us. That's what I kind of compared ourselves to. We were all different, but we uh we had a common cause. Uh, we may have been, we may have been Team Magneto, but we had a common cause and a common goal, and that was break down, you know, uh, the ECW original. So I, I loved it. It's very good. And trust me, we were all very different on the outside of the ring as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to forget about 
and just to the record, I don't want to forget about my girl uh, uh, Ariel, aka Shelly Martinez, because she uh, she played her role and she played her part to a T. So I definitely don't want to forget about her. Oh, yeah, you can. She's pretty unforgettable uh, for sure. Now, <laughs> You wouldn't be the only one to say that. <laughs> uh, yeah, very true. <laughs> now, as we uh, we start to wind it down a little bit here, always a question I was curious to ask. I don't know if it's true or not, but I, I'm not sure if you've answered it before. I, I'm sure you have, but is it actually true that they wanted to put you in the spirit squad? Because it doesn't yes, seem sir. like... It, oh, it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's a very true question. Uh, it's, it's funny that after all these years, Huh, that was 2004 or five. I think it was 2005 that they wanted to put me in the Spirit Squad. So you're talking about over a decade, and only this year, I believe, I'm asking questions about the Spirit Squad. So you, you guys must be uh, really on your stuff. Uh, but, yeah, it was very true. Um, they wanted me to go up and, and be – in my opinion, the uh, afro-haired uh, chosen black guy uh, during that time uh, in the group. And trust me, it was a great opportunity. Uh, we sat there, we talked to Vince McMahon himself, and Vince said, hey, I want you guys to understand, this is my idea, and we're going to make a lot of money. <laughs> you know, and then, and then <laughs> yeah, it's like every time I talk about Vince, I got to do him. I got to talk like him. But he's like, I don't want you. He's like, I don't want anybody to do this if you're uncomfortable doing it. He said, it'll be no problem. You can walk away. Not a big deal. If you're uncomfortable, we'll send you back down, OBW, and we'll wait till we get something else for you. But I'm telling you, we're going to make a lot of money. This is my idea. Think about it. Who wants the female cheerleaders? Ha, ha, ha. Oh, God, it's going to be great. And so, <laughs> and so um, he, he told us to think about it. And uh, I remember my, my partners, uh, my fellow uh, developmental brothers, uh, Johnny Jeter and Mitch from Tough Enough and Ziggler uh, and Mike, Ma not Mike Mondo at the time. Actually, it wasn't Johnny Jeter. It was Ken Doan. Myself, uh, Mitch, and Ziggler. When I went back to Johnny Ace and I went back to Vince and I said, hey, um, I appreciate the opportunity. I'm forever grateful, you know, uh, with all due respect. But I don't feel like I, I'm taking your word. I don't feel like I should do anything that I could not live up to in your standards. And I don't want to be a failure. And I don't believe that this spot is for me. And Vince looked at me, he took a swallow, like, you know, like he was exaggerately doing the ring sometimes. And um, he looked at me, he said, well, all right, I appreciate your honesty. He said, we'll send you back down until we get something else for you. He said, I appreciate your honesty. And, I, and that was it. You know, I mean, I had tears in my eyes as well. I was like, hey, man, like, gee, like, I'm on a little worried. I'm about to tell the boss, man, I don't want to do it. And so that's what I, but I told him, and that's, either he was going to respect me for it or he was going to punish me for it. Well, it wasn't Vince that punished me for it. It was, it was half of the guys, you know, I had the boys, if you will, uh, that fought, fought, in, fought in, in me for being a man standing on my size 12, looking the boss in the eye and saying, I appreciate it, but no thanks. So a lot of guys took, took it to heart that I said no, which I, I never understood because they weren't in my position, they weren't in my shoes. The guys that were going out there were very, very, very talented. Uh, and that's thus when I said no, they added Mike Mondo and they added Johnny Cheetah. So instead of it being four, like it originally was going to be, it turned out to be five. And um, look, man, there was no way uh, this big black guy at 225, 30 pounds at the time was going to be running down the ramp jumping over the trampoline, and flipping over the top rope. It just was not going to happen without me screwing up and looking like a fool. So I wasn't going to take that chance. I wasn't going to risk that chance. And, um, and, and I'm happy I did. 
I'm happy I did. And, and kudos, I always tell anybody when they ask me, kudos to Dolph Ziggler. You know, um, look at him. Uh, the, the guy is, in my mind, the premier performer uh, in the WWE, in my mind. Okay, if there's anybody, someone asking who would I like to feud with, if I went back to WWE, Dolph Ziggler. Just the premier guy. I, I have no idea why, you know, he isn't uh, champion multiple times over and carrying the brand. But that's, you know, each is entitled to his own opinion. And I'm a huge fan of Dolph Ziggler. I'm a huge fan of his work ethic. I'm a huge fan that this guy went from the spirit squad when, it, when, when basically nobody else could rub that stench away. He went back down to Florida Championship Wrestling. He stayed there until he was able to come up or they put him in a new gimmick, which was a lot of people perceived to be a dumb, dumb at first, but he made it all the way back to the main roster, and then took that gimmick and made it his own. And right now, when it's all said and done, he'll retire as Dolph Ziggler. Isn't that something? <laughs> Crazy. He, you know, he did. He definitely got away from that gimmick, and you obviously weren't a good fit for that gimmick at all. It wouldn't even make sense. But if, right. uh, if, if I could, I know you mentioned before the AJ Styles World Title Match in TNA as being, you know, one of your favorites. But I know that you, you know, you work with uh, Punk, you work with uh, Batista, you work with Samoa Joe. I mean, you work with some of the biggest names in the history, and even uh, I believe you had Benoit's last match. So, do you have a favorite match or matches maybe besides the uh, AJ match? AJ AJ Styles match was my favorite feud. Okay, that was my favorite feud, obviously. And yes, the uh, the match itself is probably my favorite match. My second favorite match uh, will probably be when I had the chance to team with Shelton Benjamin against CM Punk and H. Boy Ric Flair because I had the opportunity to wrestle my idol. So that will probably be my second favorite match. I never thought I would have the opportunity. Flair was on his way to retirement, uh, or so we thought. Um, and um, I had a wonderful, you know, that was just, again, you're talking about somebody that grew up on NWA Championship Wrestling, Marshall Ric Flair, Val, my, my, my mentor, my idol, the guy that when I walked up to him backstage uh, uh, at, at WWE Monday Night Raw, he looked at me before I can even say anything. I said, Dustin, he said, I don't even say that, Daddy, I already know who you are. And you and I, we're going to have a lot of fun together. I've been watching you. So, so I mean, that just uh, that just caused me to explode. If I could have been Dean Ambrose to take that elbow from Dustin Rhodes, I'm telling you, if I could have been a pimple on his face, I would have. You know, if I could have been a hair on the top of Dean Ambrose's head when he took that bionic elbow from Dustin Rhodes, I would have. Uh, because that's something that I've always wanted to do, just take it one time. You know, so that was one of my favorite matches uh, with Ric Flair and CM Punk. And then... Another one of my top favorite matches, believe it or not, would be the day that my fellow brother called in. Um, he had some tragic tragedy in his family. We were in the New Orleans Arena. Ha, take that, Flair. And we were supposed to be doing a um, four-way uh, four type of matchup where it was going to be a tournament myself versus Tommy Dreamer, CM Punk versus Marcus Corvon. And then the two guys that win would advance and face each other. Well, it just so happens that uh, Marcus Corvon had some issues. And that was his uh, departure uh, at the time because he faced tragedy in his family. Um, and, 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 and I love Marcus Corbin. Always have, always will. We stay in contact. Uh, so that very one, 30 minutes before the show or one hour before the show, I think, between an hour and 30, 30 minutes to an hour, uh, we realized that, hey, we got almost 30 minutes to fill. And they're giving myself and CM Punk uh, you know, that time to go out there, and instead of it being the three matches, now we're going to have a two out of three falls. And one thing I liked about CM Punk when me and him did wrestle, one thing when we did, you know, we had enough trust in each other, if you will, to go outside the box, think outside the box, and just go out there and let whatever happened happen. And that's what we did. That very night, you know, we, we, we you, you may see it, you may not, but we communicated uh, well at times. We've had our hiccups as well, too. But uh, we went out there in a two out of three falls match on ECW that night, man, and we rocked the house. And that's one of my favorite matches, too. That is great. Um, 
great stuff there, and I love all those matches for sure. And all the, and all of those guys that I mentioned to you are are, are favorite opponents of mine as well. I mean, all the way to AJ to Samoa Joe, Jasmine Wolf, uh, Suicide, and going back to ECW, you know, with with uh, Punk and Tommy Dreamer. Anytime I got to face guys that were before me, uh, they're always held in a um, high standard, like the Dreamer, Rob Van Dam. Being in, the, being in the ring with Batista and, and to be able to say, hey, hey Dave, is it okay if, um, hey, what, what do you want to do? Didn't even let me finish. I said, <laughs> I want to get, let me get to the top of that rope. You know, let me stand up, let me come off with this, and you spear me midair and drive me down. And today, that was one of the top things. You know, that was, that was you know, my idea. And he, he allowed me to, to do it. He, he listened, he heard, like, yeah, man, that's great. You know, um, being in the ring with Kane, you know, I, you know those. Is every time you step in the ring, it could be your last time. So, uh, you know, you cherish those moments. I don't want to take anything away. And one of my personal favorites that still I may have to reshuffle, but it definitely ranks up top uh, in the top five. It could be in the top three, and that's when I had a chance to to, to be a part of uh, NWO Wolfpack, like if you will, or, or Wolfpack. Uh, our version of TNA with myself, Kevin Ash, and Sting, and, and us to do the Bound for Glory thing. We were supposed to wrestle Hogan that night, but as you guys know, he went into surgery. So uh, that would have been a tremendous, that would have been a career highlight by itself if I could have got in there and, and took three punches and a boot from Hogan. Huh? Who don't want to take that? Why y'all being all quiet on Hogan? <laughs> oh, no way. Hogan. No, I was, uh, I'm awestruck I, by him. No, no way. <laughs> <laughs> Look here, I, I I don't have a network. I can talk about Hogan as much as I want to. So, uh, but yeah, I I I have no. I enjoyed um I enjoyed the opportunity to be in the ring with all those legends, and um, including um, when I had the opportunity to wrestle Chris Benoit. Don't know the whole story behind that. I know what people have said. I know there's a lot of theories behind it. But I'm talking about my professional experience of being in the ring with him. At the time, I cannot take any of that away because that's something that, that held special to me, for me to be in the ring with him. So I cannot take that away uh, from the performer, uh, from the from the uh, make-believe superstar, you know, the entertainer. That I can't take that. Personal issues aside, but that was one of my – Greatest moments as well, too, to be in the ring with, with Chris Benoit and to go toe-to-toe with him and, and, and to freaking slap him and, and chop him. I wrestled him three, three, four days. I wrestled him the whole weekend leading up to that ECW uh, match on TV. So it was it was good and, you know, sad what happened. My heart goes out to to everybody that was affected and everybody that was hurt by it. Uh, it was sad. I, I love the woman. We talked every time she was – there, woman being next to Benoit, so my heart goes out to all of them. I had a chance to play with the kid Daniel, um, um, not to you know to touch on all that, but yeah, it, it was it was some of the highlights of my career, and um, obviously, much like a lot of things um, later on in life, it takes it takes sometimes turns for the worse. So we'll leave that be. Yeah, and you know, and just as we're about to uh, to wrap up, we usually finish up with you know. Uh, where do you see yourself or a legacy? But just quickly, because, you know, you threw out so many great names that you were a fan of. So you mentioned Dusty, you mentioned Flair, and you just threw out the Hulkster. Now, you're an NWA guy, but did you, as an NWA guy, did you like the WWF just as much growing up with that same group of those just, like, amazingly colorful characters and just larger-than-life figures? I, I, I think that as a kid, I don't think I know. I knew this, this is what the deal was. We would catch WWF down in, in Florida uh, whenever it came on, maybe Saturdays, uh, you know, on the US Net, USA Network or whatnot. Uh, we would watch it then when it came on primetime on NBC or whatnot. But it wasn't the real wrestling to us. It was the fake wrestling is how we referred to it as kids. You know, so NWA was just the jump. You know, when NWA was on, you had to watch it. They were real they were gritty, they bled, they sweat, they, I mean, they made you feel like you were watching a fight. And, um, you know, we, WWF at the time was our cartoon. So it was like our Saturday morning cartoon. It was just, you know, and, but did we like it? Absolutely. We liked it. Didn't love it like we loved the NWA, 
speaking for myself and, and the people I knew, but we liked the WWF because it did have the larger than life superstar. Didn't quite understand, understood at that time exactly why it, they looked like they looked and presented the, the, the characters the way they did. But, you know, 20 years later, you're looking at it, you're going, aha, I get it now. I get it. Vince had a vision, and Vince's vision has always been entertainment. It makes so much sense. Why is this dead guy coming out to the ring? 20 years later, you go, aha, I get it. It's money. You know, it's all about larger-than-life characters. But I, I was an NWA guy, WCW guy, through and through. And, again, that, you get that credit to Dusty Rose. Dusty Rose goes to WWF. Guess who else follows? Elijah Burke, a.k.a. Pope. He follows. You know, uh, the Horseman, Teddy Blanchard, and, and Arn Anderson go to WWF. Guess who starts watching WWF? Elijah Burke, a.k.a. Pope. Rick Flair goes up there. Well, WCW, I don't know what to say. Y'all have lost it now because Mr. Pope is tuned in, you know, trying to catch Flair. So, and we can go on and on, but um, Pope got to get rid of Ron just as well as probably you guys do. Yep, uh, but as, yep. far as, my, as far as my career and you know, how I see myself, my career is still yet to be written. Uh, we're still to the halfway point, uh, and, and I can say this. If I'm able, and I say this in all seriousness, if I'm able to give, pay a certain homage and respect, if I never pursue or have a regular reoccurring wrestling role again, me being in the seat that I am, if I'm able to pay homage and respect to the, one of the greatest wrestlers, uh, announcers, managers, the greatest manager of all time, Bobby DeBray Heenan, if I can just be a smidgen of what he was on the microphone and add color to commentary, then by God, I'll take being a smidgen. I just want to be – what Bobby, I want to be to wrestling today, hopefully I can be, to what the Bobby Heenan, to what the Macho Man, to what the Jesse the Body Ventura was, to all of us who grew up watching this very sport that we love. Oh, without a doubt. So, so well said. And, of course, you can see Elijah Burke on TNA Impact Wrestling. You can also find him all over social media. You can go to Twitter and find him at Pope. You can also go to Facebook.com slash Elijah Burke. And, of course, the website, probably one of the greatest names ever for a website, TheElijahExpress.com. It's been so awesome talking to you, not only about your career, but also talking a little old school so thanks a lot, Elijah. It's been a lot of fun. Hey, 